Welcome to the Introvertpreneur Podcast. Take a breath because you are in the right place and you can finally stop apologizing for being an introvert. I'm Tara and I've discovered how to thrive as an entrepreneur while being 100% true to myself. Now I want to help you do the same. In these episodes, you're going to find everything you need to build a successful service-based business so you can stop competing with extroverts and grow and market your business with ease. Are you ready? Welcome back to another episode of the Introvertpreneur Podcast. We are joined today by Krista Walsh, who is a website copywriter and strategist helping client-based businesses turn their websites into lead-generating machines. She's the person you call when you want your website done right from the ground up. I am so excited you are here because I think copy is a big topic and very important topic, especially for introverts who don't want to show up on video. So welcome. I'm excited to chat with you. Thank you so much, Tara. Yeah, I am excited too. And I'm excited to get into some different angles about copywriting with you. Sounds good. I'm excited to dive into all of this. So I'd love for you to start, just tell us a little bit about you, your story and how you got started in business and as a copywriter. So I think you did a wonderful job of sharing what I do now. I'm a website copywriter and strategist. So I'm a copywriter, but specifically for your website and understanding how people land on your website, what kind of things do they need to hear and what's the journey through the pages that they need to take in order to get closer to becoming a client would be the end goal. But how I got started was kind of interesting. So I graduated college. I had a job in book publishing. So I was working in an independent book publishing company. And I got into that thinking that was going to be my path because it was like a traditional nine to five path, which my parents were really hopeful that I would do. And I thought, well, if I have to do that, I'll do something at least creative in the book world. I love books, but it turns out it totally sucked. I did not have fun. I don't think it was anything like about the company specifically. It just the sitting in an office chair doing menial tasks and not having any ownership into the work really did not speak to me. And I think as an introvert, especially like working in an office was really exhausting because you felt like you had to sort of be on all the time. It was a smaller office, but it was like open plan too. So I had no privacy like for nine hours a day or whatever. (laughs) Did not work for me. So I didn't know what the hell I wanted to do, but I quit that job. And instead I got a part-time job teaching English in Spain, just basically as a way to buy some time and explore Europe while I figured it out. While I was over there, I had a lot of extra time and I wanted extra money to travel. So I got into freelancing on Upwork, which is like a freelancing platform, kind of similar to Fiverr, if anyone's not familiar with it. And I started doing all kinds of writing and editing jobs through there. And I would say over like that year, it morphed into copywriting specifically. And then a couple of years later, I was like, nope, I think I want to do websites solely. So I really invested in learning about UX and SEO and honing my processes through that. And that is how I got to where I am now. I love that. And it's so interesting because so many people think that copy on a website, that's all it is. It's just writing, but there's so many other factors that go into it. Yeah, there really is. And that's why I 
think if I hadn't done website copywriting, I would have specialized into some other sort of platform, almost like email copywriting or something, because I do think so much of copywriting is not necessarily about the industry or about like best practices that can apply to everything. It's so often about understanding the strategy behind the platform in which you're writing, because unlike writing a novel, like you're never just reading words that are in paragraph form on a page. Like there is a user experience that goes into that. In the case of websites, like understanding what button copy should be and and stuff like that. There's so much beyond just the naked words on a page. I think it's important to share for any introverts listening, how important copy can be, how important your website is, how important organic traffic and SEO is. I love what you shared here in our form that your clients have gone on to book four-figure services straight from their website without sales calls and rank in the top five of Google search results for competitive search terms, which that is like best case scenario for an introvert. It is. Yeah. A good bulk of my clients find me through my SEO efforts. They're like Googling for a website copywriter. They find my website, they read through it, they book. I do do sales calls with almost everyone personally, but I know some of my clients just prefer not to. And also some people who are hiring really don't want to do calls. Like some of them really just want to communicate in writing. So having your website be like the sales tool for you, doing that work instead of having to do a call with somebody can not only be awesome for you if you don't want to do that, but good for certain personality types who are probably introverts. <laughs> yeah. I know for me, any person I've worked with or hired for like a project, if I go to their website and the only option is to book a call, I'm out of there. I don't want to jump right on a call. I just want to fill out a contact form or email you or go right ahead and book. Like (laughs) I've done that many times. I booked a $3,000 VIP day just from going to their website and I don't need a call. And that's just my personality. I know that a call is not necessary. Like they've given me all I need on their website. So I don't need a call. Right. I think it's awesome to have the option, but I am the same way. I do not recommend people have a link that goes to like a calendar link to book a call because that is really intimidating for a lot of introverts and that's half of the population. So you could potentially be losing out on clients just because your call to action is this huge step. So even if you are somebody who wants to do sales calls with people, this is me. I'm an introvert, but I do prefer to talk to people before signing on for a big project. Make sure the first step is something like email me or fill out my form and then have some emails back and forth and then maybe then invite them to do a call if they really want to. I find especially for service providers, a lot of them on Instagram, they don't even have a website. They just link directly to their Calendly link. And I'm like, I'm not clicking on that and I'm not booking. (laughs) Maybe if I really, really wanted to, I would send a message or a DM on Instagram. And there's a lot of us out there that are introverts who just will not do that. So you are losing a huge market there. Yeah. 1000%. So I know you talk a lot about how to write copy that feels more natural for introverts, especially because I know we always hear about personality packed copy. And to me, that usually means be funny, be quirky. And I'm like, I don't know how to bring that out. I find it really hard to write copy sometimes I'm, I'm sure it's not all introverts, but for me, I find when I write something, it's very to the point. So it's hard for me to put any personality into it. 
I very, very much relate to that. So one of the things that kind of makes me mad about the copywriting world or like the copywriting examples that are exalted is that it seems to be mimicking what happens in our three-dimensional world where the idea of personality itself or personalities that are related to like leadership and being charismatic and people liking you and like the default personality that we all need to have tends to be these stronger more obvious, definitely extroverted types of personalities. And I see that being reflected in the copywriting world when it comes to something like personality-packed copy. I think you hit the nail on the head when you said to you, that means being jokey. And you're absolutely right. I usually see this talking about like either super bold and kind of like tough lovey or like you're super jokey, like tons of quippy asides or even like that, like super enthusiastic boss babe style or like a style with like a ton of emojis and exclamation points. And that's sort of held up as the example of what it means to write personality packed copy. And it really upsets me because it's leaving out half of the world, like the people who would never write like that. And they certainly don't talk like that. Not only is it really hard to try to like force that sort of personality into your writing, but it's also if you did write like that and then somebody meets you in real life and you're not like that, it's going to be really jarring for the other person too. So it also just ends up like you're shooting yourself in the foot if you try to fake a personality like that. I didn't even think about that. If you then do like an in-person event and you meet someone and they seem to be so bold and boss baby. And then you meet them in person and they're like really introverted and really quiet. It's like, were you just wearing a mask like (laughs) in your copy and all of your messaging? I had this experience actually, like not with somebody I know personally, but I followed her online and then I heard her on a podcast and her vibe on the podcast was so much more nuanced and calmer than the type of writing and brand voice that she had in her online presence. And it was really confusing to me. Like I actually looked in the podcast description and to make sure it was the same person that I thought it was and like clicked over to the website. And I was like, nope, this is the same person. But it definitely caused me to lose trust in this person because I just didn't understand what was going on. Yeah. So she probably worked with a copywriter who packed in personality that didn't actually fit her personality. Maybe so. Yeah. It's interesting too, because when you're talking about when you're writing the copy, that is what we normally think of when we hear personality pack copy. That's also copy that people like who are on the quieter introverted side, they're not going to resonate with. So if you're forcing yourself to pretend to be this different personality in your copy, it might not come across as authentic to the people who would normally connect with it. And you're turning away the people who probably would be a personality match for you. I think you're right. That definitely happens. I want to be careful to say that I don't want it to come across like I'm blaming anybody who has tried to do this personality pack style, even if it doesn't feel totally natural to them because I've done it. I think I've done it like in my younger years, even in real life, like I would try to fake in more extroverted personality because especially in like job interviews and stuff like that, because I thought that was what was needed to be quote unquote successful. So if anyone has done that, it's definitely not their fault and it's understandable why they would do that. But I do think you're right that it would probably lead to losing the people who would actually be authentically drawn to you, like your real self. 
It's interesting you say that too, because I think we've all done that. I know I have at the beginning. I remember the first time I worked with a copywriter, they were asking me to show sales pages that I really loved. And all of them were that kind of copy. And it just wasn't me, but it was like, I felt like I had to be that. (laughs) So I tried to be, but I knew deep down that it just, it wasn't a fit. It wasn't my personality. It just didn't read like me or like my brand. But yeah, I think we've all done that at one point or another. Even when you go looking for sales page examples, or if you go follow any kind of internet famous business owner who's sort of like lauded as somebody who has like found success in online business and has like online programs and stuff where they have a lot of very visible sales copy that you can read. So many of them, I would say like the vast majority of them are using one of the many like very extroverted personality styles in their copy. So it's understandable. Those may have been most of the examples that you were seeing. Like it might be kind of harder to find some that aren't that way. That's true too, because so many people are still feeling like that's the only way that the copy is going to work is to use that more bold personality. Yeah. I always love asking for anyone who is also an introvert. So for you and your business, what is your favorite marketing platform or marketing method that you use for your business? So we hinted at it earlier, which is SEO, because it is one of those things that takes a while to kick in. But once it does, there's not a ton of ongoing effort. I'm talking about like foundational SEO for like your main website pages, not like blogging, because that is an ongoing effort. But if you can get your homepage and services pages to rank for keywords that are really targeted to what you are actually offering or potentially the people you are serving, then you're basically getting in front of a lot of people who are Googling for somebody exactly like you. And then of course, if you get your website in shape to do the conversion piece, once they get on your site, it's not a lot of ongoing effort for you. And you're also getting on calls with people if you're doing the calls or you're getting leads in your inbox and like doing an email sales cycle with people who are pretty easy to convert because they're literally sitting there like, I need a website designer and they're Googling for that. Or I need a stylist who's based in Los Angeles and Googling for that. So they're already pretty far along the journey. For me, having that work for my business has been really key. I would say my second favorite thing, which may be kind of surprising as an introvert, but it's doing stuff like this, podcast guesting, like speaking, doing trainings. Even though it does take more of my energy, I feel like Compared to something like social media or written marketing, like ongoing marketing stuff, when you speak and you have back and forths with people as an introvert, it allows me to have a lot more nuance to sort of like check what I'm saying to respond to follow-up questions. And that feels a lot better for me. I feel like I'm being more honest in that way, if that makes sense. Yeah, definitely. I feel like with podcast guesting and some speaking opportunities, it's a lot easier because if it's, especially if it's more one-on-one, it's not, sometimes I find on Instagram and the DMS, it's like, you got to make small talk and I'm not a fan of small talk. (laughs) I love those more one-on-one deeper conversations where you can kind of go a little deeper because you have more time. And I love that you said SEO, because I think you're the only person who's ever said that. And that is like my love language for introverts. I'm like, so pushing that for all introverts. I'm like, focus on SEO. I know it's probably scary and feels overwhelming at first. And there's all this tech jargon, but you don't need to know all the things about SEO. You just need to know how to optimize your most important pages and start getting that organic traffic because those leads are so much better. Like you said, they're already 
actively searching for what you do. People, I think, get scared of SEO in the sense that they're like, oh man, the Google algorithm, that sounds like super high tech and I am not that type of person. But then we'll like go to Instagram, which also has a complex algorithm. And for some reason that feels easier. I personally have a theory. It's because like a lot of the SEO space is dominated by these like tech bros and especially like more femme entrepreneurs maybe struggle to see themselves in that space. So they feel like it's scarier than it is, but it's not as techy as it maybe feels like at the beginning. Cause I am not a techy person and I figured it out and I do it for my clients too. Yeah. Just a word of encouragement. Like maybe dip your toe in, like maybe it's actually going to be easier than like mastering the Instagram algorithm. For sure. It's interesting that you said that too, because I feel like sometimes it's about the instant gratification of Instagram too. It's like I posted something and I got X number of likes within an hour, but the value and the benefit of SEO, it's not going to be instant, but it's going to be so much better than that long-term. I agree. If we're talking about foundational SEO, like getting in front of people who are actively in the hiring mindset is so different. Like you can get in front of 10 people a month in that headspace and that's going to be better for you than having a reel that goes viral on Instagram. And like so many people are just like seeing it when they're like halfway watching TV and they're not at all in the hiring mindset. They may not even have any clue that they have a problem that your service can solve. So I feel like the volume that you need on Instagram is so much greater than it is with SEO. That's true too. With Instagram, you have to create that educational content and that awareness content before they're even at the point where they could potentially be a client. Whereas the leads from Google, they're already there. They already want you. They want somebody to do what you offer. They just can't find you because you're not coming up in search results yet. Exactly. So I would love to have you share a little bit about, because I know a lot of people who I've talked to, especially one of the things they do struggle with is copywriting. So it's probably very high on their list of something that they want to outsource or hire out to a copywriter. So I'd love to hear any tips you have on hiring a copywriter, how to choose a copywriter or when somebody might want to go the DIY route instead first. Great question. I was actually trying to create a reel about this recently, but I couldn't get it down to short enough. So hopefully I can do it now. But I think if you're in a a place where you're like, I need to just pass this off to an expert, like you have it in your budget, you're like, I'm not somebody who is painstakingly doing everything myself and my business anymore. I moved past that stage. Then when you're thinking about hiring a copywriter, the first thing I would ask yourself is what type of project am I needing help with? Because what I see is they're generally like two different types of things. Like the first one maybe is like, you need a lot of ongoing help. So you want blogging help. You want someone to like write your social media captions or your like your email newsletters, more of this content stuff that's recurring every month. And then the second type of project that is most common when you're looking for a copywriter is a one-off really integral piece of content that's usually more sales focused. So like what I do, like you're launching a website and you need content for that, or you are launching a course and you have a sales page or like a sales email sequence, like something that is a one-time project, but it's pretty damn important to your bottom line. So if you're in that first camp where you're looking for an ongoing person, I would probably look for somebody who is pretty plugged into your industry because you're going to be relying on them for like 
ideation type stuff, like ongoing content, like a lot of nuance. And you want them to already come in with a lot of familiarity about your industry. So if you're like, I need a a blogger and I am a dentist, probably try to find a content writer who specializes in the dental industry, or at least like something adjacent. But if you are somebody who's coming in for a project-based project, that was confusing. But like, if you're looking for a sales page writer or a website copywriter, I would find somebody who specializes in that platform because it's so important that they're going to come in with the knowledge of how specifically to do copywriting for that element versus just understanding best principles and trying to apply that to this different project that they haven't ever worked on. I can speak from experience, like mostly I do websites, but occasionally I'll have an ongoing client who's like, I need a sales email sequence for this thing. And I really just want you to do it because I don't want to find someone new. I'll usually do it, but I'm doing a ton of learning on the go when I am like doing something that is not in my wheelhouse. And if you're looking to hire someone, I would probably look for someone who specializes in that thing. So you're not risking someone learning as they go on your project. I love that. That makes total sense. And I feel like it's also important if you want to hire a copywriter for anything, whether it's a website copywriter, email copywriter, sales page copywriter, whatever it is, it's so important to have your target market down, your brand voice down. Like I've seen so many people think, oh, I want to hire somebody to write my copy, but they don't have anything ready for the person to kind of help them understand their business. I'm like, you just expect somebody to take a look at your social and your website and be able to really dig into your brand. Like you need to have some knowledge about it beforehand to really maximize your investment. I would say occasionally people come in and they are doing this thing where I would say the most often type of person that I actually decline to work with, which isn't too often because I think a lot of times the price point of hiring a copywriter precludes newer business owners from even going there. But sometimes you do get people who are willing to spend the money, but they probably shouldn't be. If they are still figuring out what types of services or offers they actually want to put out there. If they're not sure who they're serving, or maybe they think they know who they're serving, but their target audience is super, super broad. Like I often see people say this thing, like I serve all female entrepreneurs, which is a ginormous group of people. So I think in those cases, it takes a little bit to step back and be like, get clarity, make sure that your services are working and getting results that you know who you're talking to at the very least, and then go hire someone. And I think that goes for any type of hire, really, not just a copywriter, but any type of high ticket done for new service. And also feel confident with it because I know I've heard from people where they've hired somebody, I don't know if it was a copywriter or maybe it was like a website designer to do their website. And then a month later, they pivoted completely to a different audience. I'm like, why did you do this? <laughs> like, you can. Now tweak the website a little bit, but oh, it would have been so much better of an investment if you had just waited. If we're totally confident in your business model, in your offer, in your audience. And it's also going to make, as a copywriter, it's going to make your job a lot easier if they're solid and have that knowledge and have data and know who their audience is. Like that's just going to help you do your job writing the copy even that much easier. 
Completely. One of the biggest pieces of my process is interviewing the clients of my clients. So like if we were to work together, I would interview your students or your clients. And it's really helpful when somebody is really clear about who they want to attract more of. So that way we can actually interview the people who match that client avatar, for example, so that everybody we interview is bringing in a perspective of future people that they also want to attract. That's brilliant for market research, (laughs) like tapping into your clients' clients. I was just thinking like, oh, I could like interview my most engaged students in each of my programs (laughs) and then get more of the data And I've never done that. That's something I've never done, probably because I'm an introvert and I avoid calls as much as possible, but that's really interesting for market research purposes too. Yes. So one, it feels intimidating, totally. And I want to get back to that, but it is also when you have this data, I think it can actually be really helpful as an introvert who doesn't want to try to focus on this like personality packed brand voice if that doesn't feel right to you to instead take the focus off of you and put it onto your customer. So this is in the copywriting marketing world, this like interview and then mining the interview transcripts and stuff is called voice of customer research. I think just like in real life, like a lot of introverts or anybody who has some social anxiety, I'm talking about myself here, but a lot of people I think experience this, whether or not you're an introvert, it's really helpful to go into a party and just think, I'm going to be really interested in whoever I talk to instead of worrying about like how I'm coming across. And I think the same is true in your copywriting. So you can, instead of focusing so much on your brand personality and how are you going to talk and sound, are people going to like you by your brand voice? Instead to just like focus on talking to your clients, getting that voice of customer research, I think can actually give you a ton of confidence in that the messages that you're writing are going to resonate because they're based in research and sort of allow you to forget so much about the pressure to have a strong brand voice. I love that. I remember reading, I don't know if it was in a course or an ebook or something, but years ago, it really stuck with me. Because at the time, I really hated writing copy. (laughs) It was just not my favorite thing at all. So I was trying to get better at it and get more of my real personality out and get it actually converting. And I remember reading about how if you use the word I too much in your copy, take a look at how many times you use the word I and anywhere you can rework that sentence or replace it with you is going to be better because you're focusing more on the person reading it and less on yourself. Yeah, exactly. And it feels better for the readers too. Obviously they want to read about you. Like they do care about you. But if I was reading a sales page for like one of your programs or something, I do care about you and your values and what you think, but it's hard for me to care about that until I've answered some questions about myself. Like is this program going to help me get to where I want to go? And I need to be confident about that first to continue reading. I'm not going to like read a sales page just because I'm interested in the person who wrote it. I do need to make sure I'm using my time wisely and that it matters for my goals first. And then sort of as a secondary thing, I care about, am I going to resonate with this person? I know not everybody's like that, but I think a number of people are like this enough, especially for something that you're charging for that it's worth thinking about. I'm definitely like that too. And I will read the entire sales page. Like if it keeps me interested and I'm just nodding along as I'm reading and like getting more and more excited about it, I'm going to read the entire thing. I'm not a person to skim. I am going to read 
all of it until I make the decision to sign up or not. But likely if I'm reading the whole thing and I get down to the very bottom, I'm going to sign up. That's really interesting. I bet you are somebody who's really engaged in things that you purchase because you've taken the time to really carefully make the decision. Yes, I am to a point, but I think I also have a thing where my introvertedness sometimes comes into play. Like I know probably the most expensive business investment I ever made was a mastermind. And I ended up not being able to make the first call. And then I just felt like I was out of place. I couldn't catch up. Like everyone else had these inside jokes from the first call. And I just felt so in the corner of the Zoom meeting. (laughs) Now I know though, if I take the time to read through the page, I need to make sure that I'm available and nothing is going to prevent me from going to that first, if it's a live call. Um, Just because I know if I do miss the first one, I'm probably going to slowly decrease my engagement. No, that makes sense. That's like showing up in the middle of the school year and it's just unbearable. (laughs) It's so true. And I was so excited for it. And then I found out when the first call was, I was like, oh, I can't make it, but it'll be okay. I'll go to the second one, but it wasn't the same. So now every program, I make sure I'm there for the first one. Maybe I'll miss a call in in the middle, but not the first few. I am going to be there no matter what. (laughs) That's a smart strategy. I know you've talked about the four effective website user journeys that you've created. So I'd love for you to share a little bit more about that and tell us what they are. Sure. So this is around website strategy, which can feel kind of abstract when you say it. I mean, it is abstract. I decided to break it down using some real life examples and based on my real clients work. So I only work with client-based businesses, so not like Shopify stores and things like that. It's just people offering services or programs, that sort of thing. But people have different business models. People have different preferences and people have different ways that makes the most sense based on their types of services that people should flow through their website. So when we're talking about website strategy or a website user journey, it's essentially like Somebody lands on your homepage, probably they're landing there. And where do you want them to go next? And then where do you want them to go next? And then what's that final action? It's really thinking carefully about that journey through your site first, before you think about design, before you think about copy, so that everything is really in line with this sales mindset instead of just throwing everything up on your website in the name of, I got to get all the information out there. So we can get into what they are. So I made these up, right? But I made them up based on my client work over the past several years. The first one is called the let's just talk user journey. This is the really simple one. It is essentially somebody lands on your homepage and the only thing you really want them to do is go right to that call to action. So they land on your homepage, they read through that content. You want them to inquire or book a call or whatever that flow is for you. This is the simplest one, but ironically, I recommend it for people who have a non-simple service. So somebody who has an agency that's kind of complex or the example I give is for one of my clients who was a mindset coach, and she was using all these different modalities in her work that are going to be overwhelming for somebody to try to read through and explain and try to choose for themselves. 
like what is right for them or, or try to understand that. So it makes the most sense for people just to like get right on a call or to get right into somebody's inbox and talk about it personally instead of reading a ton of content. So I mostly recommend this website strategy for people who have either super custom services, like I think interior design is a good example of this, an abstract service, like my mindset coach example, or something that's really complex, like consulting is a pretty good example of this, where there's not a clear cut deliverable. It's sort of like, I'm going to come in and tell you what to do, but it's really based on your business. The second one is called the two plus services. So this is pretty straightforward. It's for anybody who has two or more different services or two or more different audiences. So sometimes people are serving two pretty distinct audiences or services that speak to a specific type of person. So when you do this, you really want people to get directed into a page that's speaking to them specifically as quickly as possible, because it's really hard to try to write your entire website speaking to two different groups of people. So some of the examples I give are like, an accounting firm that offers bookkeeping and tax return filing. The needs of those people who need those two different services are super different. Like their mindset is different. Or a photographer who does wedding photography and you do newborn photography, the deliverables are going to be different. The way you work with people is different. The way you talking to those different groups of people is different. So instead of trying to speak to everybody You want them to go from your homepage really quickly to a services page and then help them choose the specific service for them to go to a specific services page and then take the action. Sometimes instead of having a standalone services pages, it's just a section on their homepage and then they click into the specific service. The third one is called the signature experience. This is for people who have one main service or offer that makes up the bulk of their revenue, like 80% or more. They really want to push this one service. They've really dialed in their experience and they don't have a ton of different offers. So some examples of this might be a business coach with a 12-month group program. That's the main thing that they offer. Or like a website designer who only does custom websites for super high-end clients. So it's something that's like the experience is there. It's definitely high ticket. It is the main thing that they sell. So even if you have other things that you do in the background, if you have something that's like 80% of your revenue, I recommend making your whole website pretty much a sales pitch for this one offer because that's what's making you the most money and you should double down on it. So it essentially goes home to something like an experience page to then a pricing or investment page and then to the final call to action. So probably like a contact or get in touch. The final website strategy that I talk about is called the downsell options. This is for somebody who offers a high ticket main service, and then they have a secondary, much lower cost option. So this isn't the same as the two plus services where you have like brand design and brand strategy, and they cost kind of the same amount or like newborn photography and wedding photography, right? This is for somebody who has like a main high ticket thing and then a smaller secondary options. My website uses this strategy because I have the done for you copywriting service. And then I also offer a website audit, which is thousands of dollars less. So 
the bulk of my revenue comes from my done for you copywriting service. But because I have the secondary offer, I want to make that available to people too, who maybe aren't ready for it. Some other examples might be a DEI consultant offering a high ticket six month program for corporations, but they also have a online course if somebody can't afford that or a website designer who offers custom website design that's like 10 grand, but they also have 300 to $500 website templates that are for purchase. The strategy here would be to have your homepage have like two options. The bigger button would be pushing people towards your main services page, but then you have a smaller secondary call to action. Usually it's like visually smaller or less distinct than the main call to action, which is going to a downsell option page. And each of those has their distinct action steps. So either somebody goes from home to the main services page to take an action, or they go to home to the downsell option page to take an action. And if anybody is curious about real life examples, I actually have videos and a blog post on my site that walks you through some real life examples of what this actually looks like visually, because I know hearing about it can kind of be confusing. So yeah, that was in a nutshell, the four website user journeys that I outlined. Yeah, we will have that blog post link in the show notes for everyone to click on and see the visuals because I know I totally was like visualizing it in my head just as a designer kind of. And I was laughing at myself because I'm like the two plus services. I was thinking, what if somebody has like 10? Because it's so important to have that user journey because I feel like sometimes we just either throw everything on the homepage or we just have one thing. And I think really looking at the experience that the user is going to have is so essential to be able to get them to the place where you really want them to go. And I love how you've broken it down basically by their business model or by their offers. When I was thinking about this, obviously it's important if you're hiring a designer or copywriter, but most website copywriters and website designers will walk you through this. They're not going to expect you to come in being like, here's my user journey for my website. But I was really creating this for the people who are DIYing in mind, especially the people who are trying to choose a template to buy, because sometimes it's really hard to understand what template is right for you. And this is a really good way to help you. If you're like, I know I need a services page, or I know I need an experiences page. It can help you choose the website template that makes the most sense. Yeah, that's a really good idea too. But the template, like some people just see a pretty template and they're like, oh, I want that one. But they don't actually think about what's actually included with the template, what sections are on the homepage already, or will you have to build your own because what you really need is not included in that template. Right. And can you get away with like a one page website? Because some people can, like if you're using that first user journey where it's just directly to the call to action, maybe you can save some money and just do a one page website. So it's important to think about this kind of thing, the strategy before you start thinking about the words on the page or the design or how pretty the template is. That is so true. I think that's brilliant how you flush that out in such an easy to understand way. And I think if anybody is confused, just go look at the visuals. And I feel like it'll be really clear once you see that and you can use that to finesse your own site structure and user journey. Because yeah, that's definitely going to make a difference and is so important and is something that a lot of people just don't even think or they overlook as they're building their site. Yeah, I hope it's going to be helpful. I have visual flowcharts in the blog post too for people who just want it visually laid out and to see what that looks like. So I hope that would help. And then I know you have a freebie too, a DIY website checklist. Could you tell us a little bit about that? We'll have that link too in the show notes for everyone to grab that. 
Sure. I think the most common question I get asked, like anytime I do trainings or something, it's what are your tangible tips for writing your website content? And this checklist is my loving, comprehensive answer to that question. It essentially takes you through every page of a typical client-based business website. So home services page about and contact, as well as a website strategy piece. And there's a checklist for each of those pages. So it's all of the elements that you should ideally have on your website. And you can open your own website and literally go through the checklist and see what you're missing and use it to make strategic, fairly easy changes to boost conversions and clarity and just get your website working a bit harder for you. That's amazing. Yeah, we will have that in the show notes so everyone can grab that. And I just saw something here and I have to say, (laughs) it's not related to business or website copywriting, but I saw here in your bio that you said, that you enjoy watching TV shows about suburban moms who get in over their heads and end up living lives of crime. So is that good girls? Yes, that is a great example of that. That's like a fun fact that I share because all of the shows with that premise are amazing. And there are so many like Desperate Housewives fit into this category. Definitely good girls. There was that show Weeds. There are quite a few of these that fit into this category. And it's kind of surprising, but they're all like freaking amazing. I know the one I thought of immediately was good girls. I'm like, Oh, I'm still so sad that they canceled that. And I'm like, oh, that's awesome. Yeah. I love your taste in TV shows. <laughs> Thanks. Awesome. Well, this was so much fun. I've loved chatting with you. Is there anything else that you wanted to add or any final thoughts to share with the audience listening? You know, if anyone is curious about specific ways to have a voice that isn't the like super bold, like punchy voice that we've been talking about a lot through this episode. I can share the link to a blog post that I wrote that outlines some other ways to write with a personality that's more friendly to introverts for like some tips do that. That might be helpful too. Awesome. Yeah. We will have that post in the show notes as well. So make sure you check out all of Krista's links, connect with her on Instagram. We'll have her Instagram link in the show notes as well and her website. If you want to work with her and hire her as a copywriter or even for the audit. Yeah. I mean, copy is such a good investment and it's such a lasting investment for your business. So if you struggle with copy, grab the blog resources, grab the checklist. But if you decide that you don't want to try to work through it on your own, definitely recommend hiring a copywriter. So get in touch with Krista. Yeah. Thank you so much, Tara. This has been really fun. Thank you so much for joining me today. This episode may have ended, but there are ways we can stay in touch until next time. You can join me at thetarareed.com where you can find tons of blog posts and resources that will also help you grow your business. And don't forget to follow me on Instagram at introvert coach, where I share more introvert friendly and service-based business tips with you. If you love what you're hearing, drop a five-star rating and review telling me what you are loving about the podcast so that I can continue to encourage as many introverted entrepreneurs as possible. Until next time, keep using your introvert superpowers.